The legend of Cayman Jack is just around the corner. With blue agave nectar, real lime juice, and cane sugar. Discover legendary tastes with America's number one margarita. Premium flavored malt beverage. Please drink responsibly. All registered trademarks used under license by American Vintage Beverage Company, Chicago, Illinois. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. Grammar Girl here. I'm Mignon Fogarty. Today, I have a meaty middle about the difference between lay and lie, a tidbit about people who say wash instead of wash, and a quick and dirty tip about grilling. Let's start with lay and lie. First, we'll do the easy part, which is the present tense. If you exclude the meaning to tell an untruth and just focus on the setting and reclining meanings of lay and lie, then the important distinction is that lay requires a direct object, and lie doesn't. So you lie on the sofa, no direct object, but you lay the book on the table. The book is the direct object. This is in the present tense, when you're talking about doing something now. You lie on the sofa, and you lay a book on the table. There are a bunch of ways to remember this part. The way I remember is to think of the phrase, lay it on me. You're laying something, it, the direct object, on me. It's a catchy, dorky, 1970s kind of phrase, and I can remember it and remember that it's correct. Hmm, 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 hmm. What's that I hear? Music? Well, it's just me humming. But I love Eric Clapton, and his song Lay Down Sally can actually help you remember the difference between lay and lie. Because he's wrong. To say, lay down Sally, would imply that someone should grab Sally and lay her down. If he wanted Sally to rest in his arms on her own, the correct line would be, lie down Sally. We don't have to judge Clapton on his grammar. We can still love his music and at the same time know that it's grammatically incorrect. In fact, that helps us remember so we can love him more. If you're more of a fan of Bob Dylan, you could remember that lay, lady, lay is also wrong. The lyrics should be lie, lady, lie, lie across my big brass bed. Okay, so that was the present tense. It's pretty easy. You lay something down. People lie down by themselves. And Eric Clapton can help us remember. Let's move on to the past tense. It's harder. Everything goes all haywire because lay is the past tense of lie. It's a nightmare. I've tried and tried to come up with a mnemonic for this, but I couldn't do it. Instead, I've made a table that you can print out from the website and tape up over your desk or in your notebook because you just have to memorize this or look it up every time. Here's how to conjugate these two verbs. The past tense of lie is lay. So, last week, Steve lay down on the floor. The cat lay in the mud after it rained yesterday. The past participle of lie is lain. So, Steve has lain on the floor for days, and the cat has lain in the mud for hours. The past tense of lay is laid. So, last week, I laid the TPS report on your desk, 
and Mary forcefully laid her ring on the table. And the past participle of lay is also laid, so I have laid the TPS report on your desk, and Mary has forcefully laid her ring on the table. Don't feel bad if you can't remember these right away. Practice will help, and truthfully, I still have to look them up every time I use them. It's just important to know what you know and what you don't know and to go to the trouble to look it up and get it right because these are hard and fast rules. And remember, I have a cute chart on the page for this segment at quickanddirtytips.com that a lot of people tell me they find helpful. Next, I have a quick and dirty tip about grilling. I know you got snow in parts of the U.S. last week, and it actually snowed yesterday in Reno, where I live. But we had a beautiful weekend before that felt like spring, which got me thinking about grilling and the two different spellings of the word grill, plain old G-R-I-L-L and the version with an E on the end. Both words come from a French word that means gridiron or grating. The grill without an E on the end is the metal rack on which you cook food over heat. And it's a type of restaurant, often informal, that serves food cooked on a grill or griddle, such as Spiffy's Bar and Grill. To grill is the act of cooking on a grill, and to grill also means to question someone or interrogate someone. It's also spelled this way when you talk about getting all up in someone's grill, which I take to mean that you're aggressively questioning people, snooping into their life, or coming at them. A grill with an E on the end is the metal grating on the front of your car or truck, the bars that cover an opening in your door, and the cover for your heating vents. You can think of these kind of grills as more decorative, and you can think of the E on the end as decorative, since the two words are pronounced the same, making that extra E unnecessary or decorative. Sometimes restaurants use the grill spelling with an E on the end, but it's not the traditionally proper use of the word. To me, it's just a way they try to make themselves sound more fancy. It reminds me of the ye old tavern kinds of places. So that's your quick and dirty tip. To interrogate people is to grill them, and to cook over a fire is to grill, and you do all that on a grill. Those are all spelled without an E on the end. A grill with an E on the end is a metal grating or decorative metal covering. To remember the spelling, you can think of the E on the end as being decorative, like the metal grills themselves. Next, a listener named Matt wants to know why some speakers of American English pronounce the word wash as warsh. This pronunciation is sometimes called the intrusive R, and like our recent episode on the pin-pen merger and cot-cot merger, this question has to do with dialects of American English. The intrusive R in Warsh is most commonly associated with a dialect of American English known as the Midland dialect. The exact boundaries of the Midland dialect region vary from study to study, but all the analyses agree that covers most of Ohio, Indiana, Illinois, Iowa, and Missouri, as well as parts of Nebraska, Kansas, and Oklahoma. This is the region proposed in the Atlas of North American English by William Labov, Sharon Ash, and Charles Boberg. Earlier studies have the region extending into western Pennsylvania and the earliest ones have it covering all of Pennsylvania plus some of Maryland and Virginia. Intrusive R can be found in all those areas. 
A Washington Post columnist in 2004 even wrote about hearing the pronunciation Washington on a regular basis where he lived and worked. Even so, it may be dying out. In some places, such as Missouri and western Pennsylvania, it tends to be used more by older speakers. And I've seen comments from speakers of Midland American English who don't say Warsh and don't know anyone who does. The linguist Barbara Johnstone at Carnegie Mellon University in Pittsburgh is the authority on Pennsylvania English. And she's noted that intrusive R can be heard in the same regions of the country that have language features that we know came from Scots-Irish settlers. The Scots-Irish were a group of Protestants who migrated to Ireland from England and Scotland for greater religious freedom in the 1600s. When that didn't work, their descendants migrated again to the American colonies in the 1700s. Many of these Scots-Irish immigrants settled in regions that are now part of the Midland dialect region, as well as more southern areas, such as Appalachia. So, by association, we can guess that intrusive R also came from Scots-Irish English, but it's not certain. If this is correct, then now we have the question of why the Scots-Irish would have the intrusive R. If it's something that happens only in specific phonetic environments, it's hard to tell, because there are so few words that have similar phonetics to wash, and which might have been common enough among the Scots-Irish a couple hundred years ago to be affected by the intrusive R. One possibility is squash, and I've read some claims that speakers who say warsh also say squarsh, but I've never heard anyone say this myself. There's also the interjection gosh, but the only person I've ever heard say gaursh is Goofy, the Disney cartoon character. One of the dialect features associated with the Scots-Irish is the syntax construction of sentences such as the car needs fixed, which most English speakers would say as the car needs to be fixed. So if you hear someone say, my car needs washed, you know you're in the Midland dialect territory. That segment was written by Neil Whitman, an independent writer and consultant specializing in language and grammar. He blogs at literalminded.wordpress.com and tweets at literalminded. Thank you this week to Annoyed and Disturbed and Mountain Badger, who left nice reviews on Apple Podcasts, and Carolina, who usually listens while getting ready in the morning and making her bed, and thank you to Ellis Goodson, who left a nice review for my ultimate writing guide for students at Amazon. I'm Mignon Fogarty, better known as Grammar Girl. I'm the founder of the Quick and Dirty Tips podcast network, and you can find all my old articles and podcasts at quickanddirtytips.com. And you can also find me on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube as Grammar Girl. That's all. Thanks for listening. The legend of Cayman Jack is just around the corner. With blue agave nectar, real lime juice, and cane sugar. Discover legendary tastes with America's number one margarita. Premium flavored malt beverage. Please drink responsibly. All registered trademarks used under license by American Vintage Beverage Company, Chicago, Illinois. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate. Pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.